Fucking intro, citizens rise. This ain't for the ignorant mind. Look at his eyes, full of pain of victim inside. But shutting the tear, feeling your fears isn't that vibe. Yet the suicide rate among men is still a surprise. If you cry because you sad, you ain't no bitch. You a bitch if you let it eat you up to the point it get lethal And cause you let it build up, you done took it out on your people Especially ones that treat you with love Look, it's okay to be vulnerable Cause you owe it to you, I know you don't know what to do But you know that's the truth, I know you can't focus And that you coping by smoking your blues I know you posting pics on your socials and hope they a fool Trust me, them demons you fighting, we know they hoping you lose You gotta open right through these things called feelings And go through your moves To be a real man, you don't need no one to prove Fuck who told it to you, cause boys do cry Hey, boys, do you cry? Uh, I absolutely love that song by Piff Marty. Not only because um, it's Black Mental Black Men's Mental Health Black Men's Mental Health Awareness Month, but also it deconstructs the ideals of how men are designed to express their feelings by establishing that strength is not based on the holding of things um, inside, but expression. The lyrics are, and you know, just. Um, if he didn't catch it, that this ain't an ignorant mind. Look at his eyes full of pain, a victim inside, but shedding a tear and feeling your fears. Isn't advised. The suicide rate among men is still a surprise. If you cry because you said you ain't a bitch, you a bitch if you let it eat you up to the point of getting lethal. That last part, lethal, could implicate whether um, someone's doing harm to oneself or the others simply because of inability to express your true and authentic emotions. Last week, the world, and by world, I mean for the purpose of this program, the black community, made commentary on Michael B. Jordan and Lori Harvey's relationship status. Now, I don't want to get into the weeds of what happened there because, quite frankly, not only do we not know the details of such things and we're not actually supposed to have to be privy to such things, but I really don't care, and it serves no functionality outside the propagation of gossip culture. What was more fascinating was the commentary surrounding Michael B. Jordan's outlook and how he seemed depressed. Uh, the jokes were funny, and, you know, and uh, you know, obviously I participated in some of those things because it's comedy. But... It spoke to a larger question of how black men are supposed to deal with relationship trauma, both publicly and internally. A lot of the responses, including Michael B. Jordan getting, on, getting his future energy on and reclaiming the streets. But why do black men in particular feel so attracted to the emotional unavailable, unavailable personalities of a man like future? Pitting him against the likes of, say, like a Russell Wilson, cascading him openly and frequently. Uh, he's portrayed as someone who's emotionally aware type persona was also frequently called corny. Why is black masculinity tied into such limited scopes of strength and being emotionally withdrawn? Growing up in a Caribbean household, I was exposed to many cultural norms that as I got older, I slowly broke away from. My father in particular, a great husband and leader, was often emotionally withdrawn, rarely displaying emotions. I don't think I've ever saw him noticeably get sad and definitely didn't see him shed a tear. He taught me many lessons, and, but all of them you know, were laced in the common theme of, quote, unquote, be a man or be tough. Raising boys with sensitivity was never within his focus. Although there was no list or physical manual for my brother and I to refer to, the outlines were very clear on how a man, quote, unquote, should operate in society. We are reared to be both protector and provider. Never show fear, no man. Never be afraid to stand up tall, cue the short jokes. And never, ever, ever cry because something made you sad. Oh, and don't wear pink or purple. My father still won't wear those colors no matter how much clothes I buy him. But 
in all my lessons, and a lot of which I'm still proud of, of holding to this day, none of them, none of these lessons provided outli- or outlined how to be emotionally available, emotionally, emotionally authentic, and emotionally honest. To this day, I still don't know how the things I still don't know the things that makes my father sad or governs his emotions. A man of few words won't waste him on such trivial things such as feelings. In the black community in general, mental health stigma is still prevalent, if not generational. I would liken this to people probably over under 45 who are more likely to seek a therapist or admit to having mental distress and therefore need help, comparably to people over 45 who are hard-pressed to admit their emotional distress, trauma, and let alone seek therapy to address those things. We make, things, we make jokes about how black trauma is swept under the rug within black families, but honestly, that's really nothing to, be, uh, nothing to joke about. There's nothing funny about that. Mental health issues are relatively common within the black community at large. According to the National Institute on Minority Health, African Americans are 20% more likely to experience serious psychological distress, such as major depressive order, than white Americans. Black adults in general are more likely than white adults to experience persistent symptoms of emotional distress, such as sadness, hopelessness, and the feeling that they have to dedicate extra effort to everything they do. In particular, traditional ideas tied to black masculinity have caused many black men to struggle with, the, with being vulnerable and open about mental health challenges. Author Bell Hooks once wrote that it was the social expectations and physical stereotypes that dehumanized the black man in a way that make them invisible, thus causing toxic ideals embedded within personality. What many may not know is that she is strict, actually referring to the concept called the invisibility syndrome, which is a paradoxical process in which African-American men, because of their high visibility, are perceived with fear and distrust and often ignored or avoided by white society. This fear, avoidance, and anger often directed at African-American men are as a result of racism can have a de- devastating impact on their self-esteem. It can also influence their inability to function in the workplace, function as a lover, a spouse, and as a father. Societal patriarchy plays a large role in this. Gender roles in society often dictate that uh, functionality of our daily lives. It's only been within the last 20 plus years, it seems, that those hardline roles have been slowly redefined. Yet still, society has a long ways to go before we can say the pressures of patriarchy can wholly be eliminated. This is in large part and parceled into the default position of whiteness and or the proximity of whiteness that American culture and or world culture demands. Men need to be men. Well, what does that exactly mean? And why does a song like Boys Don't Cry fall outside the sphere of heteronormity? How important is it that we destroy these stereotypes and what does restructuring of those roles look like within the black community? These are questions and topics that we will look into and try to tackle today on this pod. So settle in, relax, enjoy the discussion, but don't cry about it. Before we get into that, Welcome back to Uncultured Bias. My name is Kamar Williams. I am your host. On our show, we say that culture is a matter of perspective and opinion. After all, culture is another, another way to say discovered. We are uncultured, we are biased, and we are black. We haven't done this opening in a while, in the last couple of weeks, because we had different type of programs, but we're just getting back to what we uh, are the basis of our program. Um, as we like to say, uh, sharing is caring. So I want to remind everybody, if you are uh, listening on Apple or Spotify, please, please share. Um, if you're listening on Apple, please leave a review. I, I put some reviews on social media the other day, just how um, great they were, and I would love for people to continue to do so because I think it reminds people what we're actually doing here. I want to give a shout-out to our uh, sponsors of the week. Um, give it out to Coleman Law. You can reach them at 850-597-2990. Uh, they can help you with anything regarding business tax and business issues and um, anything in regards to that uh, area. If you're in the market for real estate, contact KeystoneGlobalRealEstate.com. They can help you with commercial and residential real estate. Contact them at 407-680-8510 and, of course, KeystoneGlobalRealEstate.com. And finally, uh, last but not least, 
if you're in the market for estate planning, probate, um, wills, trust, all that other stuff, um, land trust, all that great stuff, uh, please contact Smith & Williams. You can reach us at 888-SWTG-LAW or 888-798-4529 or, or SWTG-LAW and, of course, C. Williams at SWTG-LAW. All right, brilliant. Now I'm going to go ahead and bring in our special guest. Uh, I'm going to start off with a person who's been on before, Pernell. What's happening, man? I'm excited to be back here. Yeah. Last time we had you on, you were kind of you had to jump off. So hopefully, you know, you can get, spend some more time with us. People really loved you being on the program last time. Definitely, man. I'm excited about this conversation here today and everything that you just uh, spoke about in the opening. I, I went to smiling. Uh, you know, you said, you know, my father still won't wear purple and pink <laughs> to this day. And, you know, how we get stuck in these uh, uh, these rigid thoughts or these rigid, rigid behaviors, what I call it. Yeah. Uh, but listen, man, it's going to be a great conversation today. For those who don't know me, I'm Pernell Bush. I'm a licensed psychotherapist here in the state of Florida. Um, uh, for myself, I am also uh, the president and CEO of No Limit Health and Education. Uh, we are a 501c3 organization dedicated to promoting mental health wellness through services, program, outreach, and advocacy. So I'm just excited about this conversation so we can definitely uh, dive in into men's mental health. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And then I have a new guest, a special guest. Is, her, her name is Jael the Great. Uh, we actually connected via social media on Instagram, and you should definitely check her out on social media, Jael the Great. Uh, Jael, you still with us? I am. Peace and grace, Kings. How are you all? Doing well, doing well. Thank doing you for well. <laughs> so, Jael, uh, if you can give people a little background on who you are and why you're so incredible. <laughs> yes, been freaking fantastic. Thank you. First of all, okay, from the intro of the song, I was like, yes, boys do cry. Men do cry. It's okay. <laughs> Gods and kings cry. God gave us tears for a reason. God gave us emotions for a reason. Okay, let me let me slow down. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Keep going. Keep it going. Hey, hey, She's ready to draw gems right now. No, go, no, ahead, hey, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep ahead. that energy. We, I, I'm, not here to, I'm not here to pump the brakes on you. Keep going. I'm, I'm a guest. Listen, I'm so, this is like, so, you know, okay, y'all don't know because no one, no one knows me on here. So let me introduce myself first. <laughs> So hi, everyone. My name is Jael the Great. I am just, I am an absolute lover of life. I am a woman who is living her life on purpose and in purpose. Mm. So that's one of the reasons why my life is so dope and why I'm so great is because I'm literally doing what God has called and created me to do, being a spirit being in this flesh suit that I'm in, right? Mm. So a part of what I do, I am a movie star. So I act, I write, direct, I produce, I'm extraordinary. Um, I am a professor at Spelman College. Mm. I am a life and relationship coach. Mm. I am an advocate for men's mental health. That is why I'm on the show today. Um, <laughs> I, am, I have released an audiobook of affirmations, the King edition. Mm. And I, I started um, something called Reclaiming Your Kingdom, where I have created safe spaces for men to come and talk about you know, mental health, talk about their relationships, talk about whatever they need to talk about yeah. and feel safe doing it because I understand that you all need it. Mm. So I'm, I am for you. I am a champion for you all. This is a mandate from God. I'm being obedient. I'm, I always tell God, like, I'm not a man. Like, why do you have me doing this? But <laughs> I do understand now why God chose me to do this. And I love it. So I'm definitely a champion for you all. Um, and I'm glad to be on this podcast. Thank you. No, listen, I didn't even know all that when I first reached out to her. So now I'm like, 
You you just made me look like a genius, you know, pretty much. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Just peep. like that. Yeah, just like that. I didn't, I, you know. So thank you. Uh, I just I knew you were a big advocate, and you know, you were um for men, men's mental health, and that you do a number of different speeches, but all these other uh, great attributes that you just spoke about. I'm like, wow. I'm like, you know. So that's uh that's that's actually dope. Um, thank you. So listen, I actually you know wanted to. Start the program, I you know, in a talk in pop culture. I know I talked to you a little bit about Pernell and Jael, uh, a little bit about uh, that Michael B. Jordan and Lori Harvey thing, and not so much get into the relationship, right? But like the idea right. of um, how black men are supposed to process um, breakups mm. and process relationships, right? In public, in the public sphere, you know, yes. and and in how, and you know, we can tie that into. You know, why is it the common frame? Like, all right, well, you know, now I got to go back into, you know, going back to the streets or like, you know what I mean? Or something to that effect. Like, what what is it about that? Um, or if you guys have even thought about that, I can start off with you. Let me start off with you, Pernell. All right. And then I'll let you jump. You can jump in, Jael. Okay. You know, um, <laughs> the whole Michael B. Jordan and, and Lori Harvey thing, it, you know, like, so now you talk about relationship. It's just how dismissive uh, we are when, when, men are going through hurtful moments, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, we've been conditioned to believe that we should just be able to handle everything. But man, it's just another one, just move on. Right. Uh, you right. know, I, I seen I seen a, a, a meme not too long ago say, hey, um, uh, you know, most men telling him, man, just keep on and go hit the streets again. Yeah. But I, was like, I seen a meme not too long ago that say, you know, men need emotion, mental and emotional support and not just pussy, you know? Yeah. Um, a lot of times we just think, oh, just move on to the next. Yeah. And we're not thinking about what this may have done to him from a social, emotional, psychological standpoint. Right. You know, right. you know, if you look at all three of those categories, which which makes up mental health, you know, socially, you know, he may be feeling uh, uh, a little outcast at this time. Now, you know, feeling embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotionally, he's he's hurt. Yeah. Right. Think about it. That's that hurt, that pain that you may be going through. And from a psychological standpoint, we don't know what type of damage this may have on him for a long term effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to move past this narrative that uh, men just, uh, and you know, so funny, uh, just get up and brush yourself off. Yeah. Uh, even after the emotional, like those, 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 that type of uh, encounter or that type of breakup that he just went through in his own personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know we're going to get real deep into that. Like, so not really trying to get on the relationship, but what no, we can cool. maybe experiencing, you know what I mean? We cool. I, listen, you know, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a Navy diver. I'm not really a Navy diver, but I, we can go deep. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, so the deeper you go, the better the program is, you know? So, Definitely. um, Jael, what are your thoughts? Oh God, I have so many thoughts. So let me see <laughs> where I can start with my thoughts. Yeah. First of all, yeah. So, okay, because I, I really have a, so much I can say. Yeah. I, I'm definitely, so let me start off by saying this. I am definitely solution-based, yeah, right? Right, right? So before we get to the solution, we, you know, we have to talk about what's happening. Right. So, mm. of course, like you both said, one of the things, so, so okay, one of the things that I ask people, right, in my reclaim, because I, I was doing reclaiming your queendom before reclaiming your kingdom, but it's still the same. Men and women deal with the same things. For the most part, right? Mm-hmm. So one question I ask men and women is, what is your routine after a breakup? Mm. Nobody has one, right? Mm. I asked my Feldman students that. I said, what's your routine? And there's no judgment ever. We, we all know that. So, because we don't, we can't do what we don't know to do. Or, you know, we've never been taught how to date. We've never been taught how to break up. We just hadn't been taught these things. Mm. So 
for me, my question to people is, what is your routine after a breakup? Because going from person to person does not work. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what most people do. They break up. So let's, let's, let's and, I, and, and I try to get people to understand that when we are dealing with people, you are dealing with a person. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan is a person. A human being. Yeah. Lori Harvey is a person. Yeah. Just because we see them on TV does not mean they do not have feelings and emotions. So that's one thing that as a solution we need to try to figure out in culture how to make sure. Like we got to remember, like when we talk about these people. So, again, y'all, I can talk about all this stuff all day. No. Let me keep my thoughts. So, <laughs> no, no. You're you good. know, yeah. don't okay. talk away. Okay, so we're, we're we're dealing with people. So that's the first thing. So absolutely, Michael B. Jordan and Lord, but we're talking about Michael right now, has feelings. Yeah. When, right. when, when men love, first of all, this is what I tell women. We have to be gentle with men. Because when y- y'all love, y'all were created and designed. Listen to this. Y'all were designed to love us. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a come. I don't know what y'all believe religiously, but no. it's in, in, if you believe in the word of God, whatever it says, love her like Christ loves the church. Right. Does it say that? It says that. Right. Then it says for the woman to respect you. It don't tell us to love you. So we the way y'all are wired, you are wired to love us on a level that women are not. That's not we're not wired. We're wired to nurture. Mm. Right. So, first of all, that's why I'm such a champion for y'all, because when y'all love, y'all love, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. But um, but society has painted this picture again, like y'all said, well, you can't cry. Society has made it seem like it's y'all are okay with, with like breaking up and just moving on. Mm-hmm. So we so even women are programmed. Listen, y'all, I talked to women. We are programmed to believe that if you two get get a divorce today or break up today that y'all are okay there's nothing wrong with you we're programmed to believe that right yeah so we respond to you all that way mm-hmm. right right um mm-hmm. i mean I, so much because i could keep going so no. go ahead, you, can, you can keep going no i'm gonna let you ride out this is, right. is pronounced been so, on the program before so he knows i let it i let it ride oh, okay. let it run yeah. okay. listen you, you drop you dropping something right now man so that's what i'm saying back here as well yeah Okay, so you know, I so I think like you know, number one, we have to remember that we are people, mm-hmm. right? We have to remember that we have to remember that men hurt. I mean, I'm talking about, and then when y'all, because again, y'all know I have tons of life coaching clients, and I have a whole movement just for men. Mm-hmm. So men talk to me, men call me crying, devastated, right. and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Jael, I just broke up with my girl. I don't know what to do. I'm hurting. I'm 35. I was out in these streets trying to prove my manhood and it, all I am is alone. Right. Mm. But we don't see that. See, we don't know. When, where do we, when do we see that in movies? Mm. When do we see that on television? So we don't, we're not pro we're programmed. It's such a, it's such a, I don't even know the, the term for it, but, but you know, life conditioned world is designed. We've been conditioned. We've been conditioned. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it, y'all know it's, 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 it's on purpose, right? Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's oh, it's, it's definitely it's definitely on purpose. Break, like, break that down. Why is that? On, why is it on purpose? Right, yeah. Let, break, let let the let the public know. Okay, so it's on purpose to destroy the family, to destroy black love, to destroy the images of black people. That's been happening since forever, right? Mm-hmm. And we buy into it. Like I don't know what y'all believe about the matrix and all that, but I understand that we literally live in a matrix, and we are programmed through TV, through images, through music. Mm-hmm. That's why. 
that's why music if I if I do a song that says shake that ass bitch I'm gonna make millions of dollars mm-hmm. or if I say let's if, if I'm like Queen's how to be a wife song you know what I mean? Yeah. So men are programmed to believe like I got to go from pussy to pussy to pussy and it's killing y'all, right? Mm-hmm. Y'all are programmed to believe that it's okay to just uh, sweep your emotions. That's none of that's true. So there's an agenda. So what we have to do, like through this podcast and things like this and through our platforms is correct that. It's not true. Men do cry. Men do hurt. Men do have feelings. Men do love, right? Mm-hmm. And men, it's okay for you to express that because if not, you're killing it. I was reading something it said 70% of suicides come from men. Yeah, that complete that complete suicide of that. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Listen. Go ahead. Good, Let me good, hear what you thought. Right. Let me hear what you said thoughts Pernell. Man, listen, you know, I I'm, I'm really going back what she's saying how this has been designed to uh destroy the family. Like you, you she taking it back, really put some history on it. Um for me working with men in this space when you know uh, oftentimes when men come to my office, a lot of times they, at first when they walk in, it's like, man, I don't even know why I'm here. I should be, I should be okay. Like you said, we, we've been conditioned to believe that even when we go through tough times and tough moments in our lives, we feel like, oh, well, I should be able to just move on. Yeah. Right. So really, as you said, we are human beings first. Before we're men, before we're black, whatever you may be, we are human beings and all human beings have lived experiences. And sometimes those lived experiences produce desire or undesired emotions mm-hmm. and learning to understand, to navigate and operate within those areas. You know, so I always go back. I really start at the very basic with my men in my space. Like when I say start at the basic, like I pull out the feelings wheel and literally let's go through the feelings with the men. And a lot of times, most men don't have the verbiage, right? They don't have the verbiage for what they be feeling. They're like, all, majority of the time, we know happy, sad, mad, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand like, oh man, you know what? I am upset, but I actually more aggravated and upset. Mm. You know, and I'm actually sad, but you know, the sad, I actually got a little sorrow because of the things that I'm dealing with. And once we're able to really identify and pinpoint where they may, what they may be feeling and what those emotions are, what is causing those emotions, what experiences has caused those emotions, we can actually start to do the work to actually move to find, to find solutions to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love what Jayo said. I'm a solution uh, focused type of therapist as well uh, when it comes to working with the, the individual that walk into the space with me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, man, society, we have to really start to move past this, this narrative of you're a man, you don't hurt as much. You're a man, you don't feel as much. Right. We have to move past that narrative. Right. Because yeah. right, we, we are human beings first. Mm-hmm. Some, some, and at the end of the day, we all have different thresholds as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what I mean by that is that, you know, uh, um, what, what may cause me pain may not cause you pain. Come on. Right. 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 But, you know, but that doesn't that doesn't make me any less of a end of, any less of a man. Right. Right. And and then can office, I, can go, I say ahead, Jaya. go ahead, Jaya. Let me say this. Yeah. Because this is this is another thing we don't look at. Right. What's and that? of course, everybody believes what they believe. But I'm, I'm just for an example, just for an example. Right. Yeah. First of all, we're different anyway. Just just from jump. Even if you you and I came from the same parents, we're right. different. Right. Our threshold, right? So let's just start there. Even if we're twins, right. we're going to be different, just period, right? right. But not yeah. only that, my loves, not only that, with men, right? Mm. This is what I always say. Just, just, like, just like in the animal kingdom, right? You have male lions, male penguins, male giraffes. They're, they're still males. Mm-hmm. They're still, you, you feel me? But they're different. Just like with boys, like you may have a boy that's a cancer, a Scorpio, 
a Sagittarius. I'm just saying, y'all, if you don't believe in science, that's cool, too. But reality is we were born when we were born. So even mm-hmm. a cancer man is, 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 is sensitive. Mm-hmm. He's a water sign. So the way he responds to something is not going to be the same way a Sagittarius man responds. I'm just saying, even if they're twins, like I'm not twins because they will be the same sign. But y'all understand what I'm no, saying. But I have, so but I myself, I, I am a twin and my brother and oh. I are completely different personalities. See? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you're gonna handle things completely different, you know. So I, I'm like, y'all, there's no one way to be male or to be masculine. Like there's no, and, there's no there's no one- you know, oh Jael, man, you just hit it like you know, I'm glad <laughs> that masculine, right? Let's let's get into this masculinity, this conversation around masculinity, first and foremost. Yeah. You know, uh, so I'm gonna be very firm. I don't like the term toxic masculinity. I, I, I rarely utilize it, but I do understand the definition behind it. So I talk about it in the terms of rigid masculinity. So yeah. when I go out and speak with men about removing behaviors that may have you rigid in your, your viewpoints, become more fluid in your masculinity because you don't have to stay one way. You can become more fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, masculinity does not look the same across the board. It masculinity does. does not have to look the same across the board. Yeah. Right. Uh, oftentimes, and Kamara, you opened up talking a little bit about your father. And I have to check myself sometimes, you know, because my son, you know, he's very young, you know, still sometimes I'm like, hey, 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 what's your all that for? Now, remind yeah, he's a human being first. You know, he has emotions, right? Mm-hmm. But these are things that we have been t- taught and, and uh, thought like this is what it's supposed to look like. I need you to be tough. Like, what does that even what does that even mean? Yes. Right. Because you know, toughness can look different in every situation. Right. 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 Yeah. You you have those who are intellectually tough. Yeah. Yes. Uh, right. Uh, you got those who may be physically tough, those who may be most you know, so we have different toughness around across the board and masculinity. Once again, my main point I'm trying to make here, it does not have to look the same. We don't have to be as rigid. We can be fluid in our masculinity in different stages of our life. It's going to take a different form of masculinity uh, than, than probably previous moments that we went through. That's you so know, good. Yeah. You know. Go ahead, Jair. What's about to say? So, and I was going to say this, and then this is the thing, because, you know, I talked to a lot of men, right? And I don't know if y'all if y'all remember when it was like, thug, 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 like everybody, you know, that's what they were pushing, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So men really thought that, like, I've, ne- I, okay, there's nothing wrong with somebody that's a thug, right? Like, that's cool, right? I don't have right. a problem with that. Right. But I'm just speaking for me as a young lady. I was always attracted to 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 the guys that were more intellectual or right. either or they led with that. Right. They didn't lead with. Right. So this is even for men. And there are women that are attracted. So women because men sometimes do. Well, y'all do most things for women. But, <laughs> we you do. know, we do. <laughs> you do. Right. So if right. you're yeah. trying to yeah. be a certain way or not be yourself. Right. Because you feel like there is one standard of masculinity. That's not true because different women are attracted to different types of men. Right. So I like poets. I like a man with the soul of a poet. I like a man that's more sensitive. You know what I mean? So if you're not being yourself, you're going to miss out on a goddess because you're trying to be something that you're not. You know, what's fascinating. I'm sorry. Go mm -hmm. ahead. Go ahead. No, go go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, I was, it's fascinating that, um, you know, I said, I grew up a certain way, but it wasn't until college and then getting my twenties I started okay. to function in my own form of what I thought was masculinity, you know, and even now, in, you know, at my big age, I've completely tried to destroy that idea of like the scope of mas- masculinity. Like, I don't like to be within certain prisms, you know, so like you, you mentioned, like in like in college, like, yeah, I, I started getting to writing, writing poetry, 
you know what I mean? And yeah. ex- expressing what, who, you know, internally what I am, or just even writing, you know, and th- none of that stuff was really, you know, I mean, my parents encur- they like, encouraged me to write, but they never encouraged me to like be expressive as far as like my emotions, you know, as far as my writings and anything like that. You know, they liked that. They always knew I was a good writer and they encouraged me to continue to write. But, you know, um, you know, I got more into just being in tune, like, why do I feel a certain way? And let me mm-hmm. look, let me look internally about something. And then it helped me with my internaliza- internalization of my own feelings to how do I become empathetic to other people around me, you know? And I think oftentimes in order to be a, a leader, you have to have empathy, but we don't talk about men having empathy. We talk about them being strong. You know what I mean? Like we look at speech in politics, right? We talk about, you know, the, the strong man, um, you know, attractiveness, like, you know, like, Oh, we don't want him to be tough. And it's like, that's, that's not real leadership. Leadership is empathy. It's caring. It's thinking about another position, being thoughtful about yes. everything around you and how it, and how this all interrelates. But we don't do that enough. You know, it's always, it's always a certain type of persona, you know, and it's, it's, just, it's structured within heteronormative, you know, honestly, heteronormative culture. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even in the fact of like, I joke with, like men in fashion, Pernell knows. I mean, Jael, yeah, you haven't we haven't met yet, but I'm really big into men's fashion. You know, me too. I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed with men's fashion. And me too. I, I love patterns. I love colors. You know, I love looks. And I'm always when I, you know, even when I talk to my friends about dressing, I'd be like, well, you know, you could throw some color in there. I, I, there's no color you can't wear. There's no yeah. pattern you can't wear. You know, and and it, it's it's really it's really the confidence in how you wear something in which makes it um, quote unquote masculine or whatever like that, or whatever that right. means. Like it's the, like, I don't, I don't believe in a, a structure of style, you know, that fits within masculinity. You right. Know I, mean? I think you have They're to, clothes. yeah, I think you have to be, <laughs> just you, yeah, you, there's clothes and you have to be able to be confident in how you wear something and, and, and it, your masculinity is not portrayed to just limited things of clothing or how you speak. You know what I mean? It's like, those are very limited scopes. Or if you play sports or not. Right. Or if, if you're right. in the orchestra or not. Or right. if you like the ballet. Right. Right. Like, oh, y'all. Right. Listen, like, you know, you know um, uh, just, just really getting to a pass to this part here, right? Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I, I had to become a little rebellious for what masculinity looked like for me growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I was, you know, come from my family. You know, third life was it. You know, when I was younger in the streets, mm. then you know, went from there going to Marine Corps. You know, playing ball. So I, I thought, I thought masculinity was all the physical things and how you act and how the things, how you, how you move, and how you talk, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, becoming rebellious and redefining masculinity for myself was really uh, attacking the intellectual part, mm. right? When I look on my genogram on my maternal side of the family. I can I see felons all across all the men, felon, felon, felon. Never mm. seen the one went to college become get a get a doctorate or get a master's, right? Mm. You know, but this is what I'm thinking what men are. You know, I tell people I felt more comfortable uh, in jail than I did sitting in a classroom, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm thinking like when I was in the classroom, I feel like I'm soft. Like, man, what I'm doing in this classroom, listening to these folks here, thinking I'm soft because I'm in the classroom uh, attempting to improve myself. Mm. Right. So we have to get to this place of allowing ourselves not to be polarized. Like we can always allow growth. 
within ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. I I think this is where we are in the society right now. A lot of men feel like I have to be this one way and become very stagnant in in the way that they carry themselves, behaviors, the way they uh, a very fixed mindset instead of saying, hey, I can can grow and still be a very masculine male, Mm -hmm. be a very masculine man or uh, or redefine masculinity for myself, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. That's where we are right now. What who what is masculinity for you? Exactly. Right. That, and and then here's the thing, like we're all wired so differently. Mm-hmm. Just we just just for I mean, just I mean, let's even think about like from the Bible days, right? I know I keep referencing the Bible, but that's more fine. That's fine. That's good Sunday morning. <laughs> so just think <laughs> about it, right? So in the Bible, you had warriors, right? Mm-hmm. You had you had warriors, you had um the the men who were I can't archer archers. Or, or the people that would make make the um, weapons. You had the Levites. I think they sent, they were the singers, right? All the men were necessary to win the war. Like every, so every man is necessary. Every man is not, every, there are men that are wired a certain way because they, they, they're in the military, right? So you got, think about it. You have to have a certain mindset, a certain personality to be in the military, for example. You have to have a certain mindset and for a certain personality to sit behind a computer all day. Mm-hmm. You have to have a certain uh, mindset and be wired a certain way to be a people person. Mm-hmm. So all of you all in your masculinity is necessary. Mm-hmm. There is right. no, there is no, and I think we need to start pushing that and showing that even what, when um, he was saying, talking about fashion, I think this is one, and this is one thing that I talk about because I hear this from men. Y'all, I have had male clients say to me, Right. That growing up, because they liked the ballet, right? Because they were attracted to fashion, they weren't gay, right? But because people kept calling them gay and faggot because they were not traditionally male, like they didn't play football, they didn't play baseball, but they liked other things. They they were like, I never even knew what gay was when I was that age. But because men, people said it to me so much, I was like, maybe I am. And this is this is these are things we don't talk about. But even like, if yeah. but even oh, if they ahead. but even if they were though, right? Because we mm-hmm. have to also right. take away exactly. the, the idea that sexuality and you know uh, masculinity are tied in. You know, mm. like because there are those you know this mm. this idea that because someone is is gay or, or bisexual or you know, whatever, whatever the sexual preference and identity well, is, exactly. they have, they don't hold the same type of countenance of, uh, of, you know, strength. Like, and one of my favorite authors is James Baldwin and, yes. you know, and James Baldwin yeah. is somebody yeah. who spoke fervently and powerfully about black men and black, black women and black issues and black culture, black family. But he was openly, you know, um, well, I did say he was gay. I mean, there were also comments that he, he dated some women as well. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, for lack of terminology, let's just say he was a, a gay man, black gay right. man, living, right. living in, you know, um, uh, in the 1960s, you know, uh, as a black, openly black gay male who challenged white power structure. And so, yes. you know, we, again, we don't talk about these things. Um, Langston Hughes. You know, with somebody as well that's been intimated that he also was um, was on a sexual sexual spectrum. So we have to like, oftentimes we 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 champion these things. We champion these our, our great scholars, but yet in the same lens, we say, well, men have to be a certain way, and that's what sexuality and that's what masculinity is. And and it's it's fascinating to me 
as a society, especially in black culture, why we consistently, constantly do that. Yo, man. It, it, it comes from, like, when, when they're kids. Like, it starts as children. It starts with the, fa- you know, like, parents mm-hmm. being programmed a certain way because their parents were programmed a certain way. So now it's time for us and our generation to, to break, break that. that like, to break right, that. Of course, like, when yeah. I was saying that about him, being, about him saying... He, he was like, I wasn't gay. Like, I, there's nothing wrong with. I have all kind. I love everybody. So right, it's not. Right, right, it right. wasn't about that. No, I know. It yeah. was about the fact that as a man, right. if you want to wear pink or you like the orchestra, right, or you like flowers, that you're all already put into a category because that's not masculine, right? And that yeah. has to change, right? Right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, uh, you know, and like I said, guys, a lot of things that take place in our lives that we carry into adulthood happens between those time we're born to 18 years old. Mm. You know, yeah, those, a lot yeah. of those learned behavior, a lot of those conditioned uh, thoughts that have been put into our thought process mm. happen during that time period. Mm. And like for me, when I first start working with clients, I kind of break down those time periods from birth to 18 to try to get a better understanding of where some of their core beliefs may come from. Right. Mm. Right. Where, where some of their thoughts are around uh, how they handle situations or uh, how they deal with their emotions may have actually uh, been derived from. Um, and oftentimes we dismiss that, right? We dismiss that birth to 18 years old because we feel like, oh, you know, that shouldn't matter. You know, that it is what it is. This is where I'm in life now. And I'm like, well, if you were like, for example, at 13 years old, it might have been a one single moment. But say if you was 13 years old and you're about to go out one day and you're about to put on a pink shirt and then the 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 uh, your mom like, oh man, ain't no, I don't raise no sisters around here. You can't put on that, that pink right. shirt. Mm-hmm. Think about how that that one single a single moment right there may impact you for the remainder of your life. Right. Yeah. When it comes to about what I think a man is, how man should handle emotion. Now, I don't even want to talk about my pain. Now, my feelings hurt. I can't even tell her that my feelings hurt because you don't tell my king I'm a sissy. And I'm, I'm saying, like, mine ain't no sissy. You don't shut up. Well, you don't need to sit your mind down. Right. Now, you don't talk me how to shut down my emotions. Right. Yes. Right. Right. So, really, uh, um, and, you know, unpacking all oh, those those events in our lives to understand how they could still be impacting us as adults. Right. Now, for us as a society, and we're going back to this whole Michael B. Jordan, think about how he may be now moving forward with future relationships, potentially, right? I can't do a full <laughs> assessment of he's not involved, but how he may move forward now with potential relationships. Right. Right, because now, now he not only he just experienced the personal hurt between what happened with him and Lord Harvey. Now it's the hurt of the world pointing fingers at you. Right. So now each person that he may encounter, each woman that he may date from moving forward, he's gonna probably move forward with some uh, a, a, um, extreme caution around here. It might be. Uh, it right. might be. Might, he might be emotionally cut, um, closed off because yeah. of exposing yeah. himself and the level of ex- uh, um, exposing, but also the public conversation surrounding. You know his yeah. emotional reaction like that. That has a detrimental effect on people. You know, like how, to, like how the outside world will look at you is going to determine how you do interpersonal relationships. That's just the fact. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the world may look at me like, man, Kamara, man, you're like you're a leader. You're you're um you know powerful, and so I feel like I have to uphold that persona. We all live with the persona of other people's expectations. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. so, like, yeah. and so, um, already Lord said, if you define yourself by by yourself, you know, by other people's expectation, be crushed alive. Yes. So, like, we have to, you know, be careful with allowing the outside world's expectations of us to crush us, you know, and crush what mm-hmm. uh, who we are intended to be, and not living, you know, authentically. Um, 
Right. You know, so, but you know, uh, one thing I'm also thinking about as well, you know, we are in the age of social media. Yeah. So that that vicarious trauma, a secondary trauma. Now, other young men yeah. who were seeing uh, uh, Michael B. and Lloyd Harvey. Now, yeah. these men that see this, like not not now, they may not want to uh, express emotions or or, or demonstrate certain behaviors because, like, man, no, I see what happened to that boy Michael B. I ain't even to go through that. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, and so, you yeah. know, yeah. we talk about because it kind of ties into like um, re- rearing. So whether it's parental rearing or social media rearing. Right. Yeah. Or, or societal rearing. Those are three different things. Right. I talked about my mm-hmm. my father rearing me a certain way. Um, and, you know, how I had to kind of deconstruct a lot of that in order to get to my own base of how I see the world. Let's yes. talk about, like, you know, father, uh, Father's Day is coming up and black black uh, parenthood. And then we can transition into, you know, societal rearing and, and social media. Yeah. rearing. But um, how does black fatherhood tie into i know you hate that term pernell but um toxic masculinity or toxic yeah. rigidity you know toxic rigidness like yeah. how do you know we as fathers um oftentimes you know patronize this the foolishness and and actually and, and actually create unhealthy uh perspectives and relationships in, in putting it right. in our children you, you know, know what you know of course y'all can speak better to that as men being you know being raised by man than i can but i will say this um one because a lot of my clients deal with parent hurt mm-hmm. like a lot of them men the men and the women yeah and what i what i am a parent i don't I, are, are either of you parents yet? yes 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 both of you are parents yes Okay, perfect. So y'all, so y'all get it. So you, so, so what, what, because the three of us are parents, what we now overstand is we don't know what the freak we're doing for yes. the most part. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Yes. Like we, we kind of fill it, fill out books, process. We yeah. Can educate yeah. It's not. And it's, each child is different. So even if there is a manual there, each child is so mm-hmm. different. How can we, mm-hmm. right? So I think what, what the first thing I do when I talk to them is I talk about extending grace to our parents because our parents are people. And again, how we were raised, we were raised to see our parents as something beyond like we we don't look we don't think about our parents like, oh, when you were 21, what was happening in your life? Mm-hmm. Or like mom and dad, when you were pregnant with me, you know, what was going on? You know, so we don't or were you ever raped or molested or or kidnapped? You know what I mean? I'm just saying, like we don't right. know. Right. We don't our, know their bad story. They don't know yes. our parents' bad story sometimes. Get to know them as human beings. As yeah. human you know, beings, we just judge right? them. We just right. say you you never told me you love me. You weren't there, you know, but why? Why not? Right. right. So I think for me, because again, solution based, right? And then I know right. we can get into what um he was asking, but I think I think one thing just for all of you who are listening, as we get into this conversation about parenting and how fathers responded or reacted to their children, we have to get it's important to give our parents grace mm-hmm. because none of us can do what we don't know to do. We cannot give what we, we don't have. It's literally impossible right so mm-hmm. my parents my father the reason that i i love y'all so much is because my father i have such a, a great example of a man like i was raised by a king and a god so fortunately no matter what i've gone through with men i never allowed it to jade me because i saw that i know that there are men out there that are great fathers i know there are men out there that are faithful i know that right <laughs> I know that there are men who really love will really love you because I have that foundation. So 
I, I can champion for you all and see you all as kings and gods because there's I'm not jaded by what society tries to paint a picture of you as or any of that. So I know you guys are amazing fathers. You know right, what I mean? Right. So yeah. I just want to put that out there first before y'all got into that conversation. No, no, definitely, definitely. But you, you, I'm glad you said those things. But um, what you're saying, Kamar, really getting back to us as men, how can black fathers um, contribute to this um uh, toxic masculinity per se. Toxic, rigid, how do you say toxic rigid, rigidness? Rigid, yeah, I say rigid masculinity. Rigid rigid, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, um, when it, how can we contribute to that? A lot of things, like I said, we only know what we know, right? right. Uh, yeah. Oftentimes, when we become parents, we don't, I haven't really met too many parents that want to go to uh, parenting classes and yes. improve their skill set. You know, these things that, I, that our organization actually offer, but it's so hard to get men to participate in this thing. Most of us like, I got this. Right. Right. And now we just know what we know. We just continue to uh, uh, perpetuate the behaviors that we see. Right. You know, perpetuate the behaviors that, that we experience. Mm-hmm. And now, if you have the, a lot of men, I, I, we're getting a place, I, I can't give us credit as men because I believe we're getting in, in a place in society where we as men are getting more uh, more self-awareness from what I see from my viewpoint. Yeah. And that self-awareness to understand, like, all right, man, maybe this is not the best, right. you know, for my child. Maybe, this, maybe me teaching them this or maybe me uh, handling a situation like this isn't the best at all. So one of the things I do in, in my uh, uh, parenting classes with, with men, because a lot of times we're more... Uh, <clears throat> For us as men, we need a lot, a lot more structure. Like we need, we like to see things. Um, so I do reverse engineering with a lot of our men when it comes to child learning. Um, and as J- JL said, uh, JL said, no, 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 I don't care how many kids you got, no two are alike, right? right. But I always have my kids, we do a reverse engineering from, I say, hey, I give them a sheet of paper. I say, this is your child at 25. Yeah. Who do you want your child to be at 25 years old? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I started having write, having write down different things. They want, you know, a lot of people want to be successful, be smart. I want to be caring. I want them to be happy. I want to whoop, 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 whoop. So now it's like, okay, that's what you want your child to be at 25. How are we contributing to get them to that place? What are we doing? You know, yeah. so really think about where your child is now and how are you pointing to them to become that person? How are you, how are you emotionally reacting to them to sh- ensure that they're able to handle their emotions? How are you emotionally, how are you having conversations with them regarding creating success, what success may look like for them? You know, so now we get into these conversations. A lot of men are like, man, some of the things I've been doing may not be helpful to get my child to be who I desire them to be at 25. Right. So I, right? I, here's yeah. the thought I was thinking. Um, why is it that, and you know, again, we're getting to more let's pop culture uh, reference oh, yeah. here, but why is it that men, especially in a certain generation, I would say between, you know, 25 to like say 40, the yeah. appeal of someone like Future? What is that about? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like comparatively, comparatively to Russell, I mentioned it in the opening, like, you know, like what, yeah. why yeah. is it that, you know, what, what is the, the, the attractiveness? Have you have you thought about that or man? Listen, think about this. Oh, man. please let me speak on that. Yeah, please, J- yeah, please, yeah. Yeah. But you know, real, real, real. No, no, quick, no. Jaya. Hold on. I want to let me hear. Let me hear. Jaya. Jaya. Let no, me, go, go ahead. Jaya. Jaya. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So again, so again, you all know that because okay. So I, I'm an actor. So I, I'm I'm in production, right? So I'm I, I I'm behind. Not I'm I am absolutely in front of the camera, but because of what I do, I understand like. Um, PR, I understand that again, there's an agenda and they're going to push a future. So, okay, so y'all y'all don't think that it's on purpose that out of nowhere, everybody started calling Russell corny? Because right. let's think about it. 
because yeah. he's a black he's a black man mm-hmm. with a black wife with right. black children doing amazing. Right. Yeah. So y'all don't think that the, the same people who have been trying to destroy you as black men forever. You don't think that's on purpose. Right. So unfortunately, we take the bait. Right. So black Twitter will take the bait, bait or whoever will take the bait. And it's like we got for, y'all stop regurgitating everything that Absolutely. social media promotes. You you know. So, of course, they're, they're going to promote a future. But let me tell you something. There is not one goddess. There is not one queen that I know that would ever mess with future. I'm not and it's no and I'm not saying anything against him because that's still my brother and I love him. I don't yeah. know him. You feel me? Right. He can always change. He can come to my reclaiming your kingdom. He can go to your 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 therapy. You know what I mean? We don't know what's going on in future. I don't know that man. Right. right. But based on the pre-recorded images that we are shown, they have this picture of this man that's toxic, whatever, 12 kids, I don't know. And then you have Russell. So I just need y'all to understand that. In real life, not on social media, in real life, a goddess is not going to go for a future. Right. A queen, yeah. the type of women that you all desire, if that's what you get down with, is not going to ever, would never. Right. But, uh, you know what I mean? The women that, oh, y'all. No, mm. j- 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 you know, I don't know. I may have to push back on that a little bit right there, man. Okay. Um, you think, you, you think? Know, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I, 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 I may have to push back on that. <laughs> Let me okay. you know. Because, you know, I, honestly, you know, when I think about the, the boy future and what he represents to some men, you know, he, he represents the the epitome of what most men want. You know, he, he has the success and he get women that he seems like he get women very uh, effortlessly. The, what are the right? type of women, though? What type uh, of women? The type, the, but, 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 hey, but that's saying. the thing. But think about it. Depend on what we... Right, right now, we're in a society that's not looking for uh, uh, Michelle Obama. They know it looks great, right? But even gotcha. yesterday, even with what, what, what Diddy say, I don't know if y'all seen the Diddy and, and uh, Young yeah. Miami interview. Yeah, yeah. And Diddy, and she asked a question that stood out to me. She said, hey, Diddy, she said, well, do you want someone that's classy or nasty? Right. Right. Did it say it straight up? I want somebody nasty. Right. You know, because Diddy the source. Diddy. Yeah. But but I'm just but, but, but I'm just saying though. Hear, hear me out. But I'm, okay. I'm talking about how how it can come across to most men now. Okay, I got you. That the one to want to follow these individuals. Right. Like okay. yo, I don't want the classic chick anyway. So I, I, I want the one that's gonna let me do whatever I want to do. Right. And we'll, we'll have a good time with because the classic chicks be born anyway. Because that little what the what did said. You know, so for future represents the opportunity. Like, hey, man, these chicks ain't ain't don't ain't desiring a dude that's a, a white collar and doing good. No, they want somebody they want to be that, that that they got to chase behind and 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 don't know if he got other chicks or not because it's more fun than them. It's even women that say that it's been women that said, "I don't want someone that I know what their schedule is because that's no fun." So right, it's almost it's almost like this um this desire to be in in a, in a chaotic uh um. Toxic situation, chaotic, uh, toxic relationship. Which sometimes we like trauma. Some people get addicted to trauma. Yeah, they do. And being, a, and being, a, and being in an unhealthy relationship can be uh, an addiction, right? Because it, it makes you feel alive. Your blood is boiling. Go on, hey, what you about to say? Come on, man. No, no and to that point though, um, Future ain't dating himself. So there are definitely are women. Now, may not be the caliber women that you know, whatever caliber women that is, but he's not dating. He's dating women. That are appealing to that, and then right. now you have to question as a man: Do you want those type of women? Like right. you know, okay, we're trying to go in life, though. Come on, but but hold up now, because also right. like it speaks to more your personality and your character, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, um, who you allow in your space, both emotionally and sexually, says more about you than that person. 
you know? And yep. sometimes we, we often forget about, like he did, did he say, I want someone nasty. I don't, you know, I don't want someone classy. What he's pretty much tell, saying, because I'm at a place in my life where the value of keeping somebody like that, like having, I don't see the value of having a certain persona around me because I've already claimed, I walk with kings, I've, I'm a billionaire, I have all the success. He doesn't see how a woman of a certain per, persona or caliber is going to add to his situation, but he does see the value of having a woman who's going to, you know, bring out desires or living on a, on a, on a, um, on a surface level scale yes. of availability. You know what I mean? And so that's, it's very transactional in the way he sees it. And it's not saying, right. it's not saying that somebody being nasty is transactional, but you know, Diddy's not looking to get married. He ain't looking no. to have, he ain't looking to have long-term relationships. He, he don't right. mind having, listen, is you know, all the women that he's had children with, Right, he's you know mm-hmm. they're long term relationships, but he's never tried to get married with them. Yeah. and then right. you know parsing that to someone even like you know, let's let's take it a step, let's ratchet up the conversation a little further. Someone like Nick Cannon, right? Nick mm-hmm. Cannon um, talked about you know he's have you know the jokes and the memes about him having multiple children. You know, um, the thing it the, the the thing that really was fascinating about it was that he t- he mentioned on a program. That he in December he was dealing with the trauma of the death of his child, yeah, of his child, of his, of his child, yeah. And mm-hmm. he said that you know he started having a lot of you know started fucking and having a lot of unprotected sex, right? right? And yeah. so he's expecting more women to be pregnant. And I mean, not to mention how it's kind of it's just it, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack regarding sexual, yeah, right, sexual right, health, right? right. right? And, and and then obviously rearing. There's no way you can actually be in a in a child's life if you have like nine, ten children, you know, by nine, ten different women, right? And operating in different spaces around the, around the country because they're not all living next door to each other, right? They're probably no. they're living in different functions of of the world and society. Right. So, like, to say that you're in this child these children's life, it's kind of hard to really comprehend that financially you might be available, but emotionally. Right. Emotionally, you may not be, which is also destructive in itself. But thinking about what was it that he said he had to express himself? The only way he can express himself is by sexual relations. Um, yeah. Say, say that again. What's that, Jail? No, no, no. I was. I, he's asking you because I was. I was just agreeing with him. Like he was like the only way to express him. He, so Nick Cannon said he was hurt. Right. The yeah. Baby mm-hmm. He didn't know how to deal with it other than, again, like I said, what's your routine after a breakup or any type of trauma? He just yeah. started having sex with different people, which we know can be very unhealthy and toxic. So we're asking you as a therapist, like, I guess um, he was asking you too, like, like, what do you do with that? How, like, that was his go-to. Yeah. So, you know, we know that we can have maladaptive coping mechanisms as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not saying that sex is bad or, you know, uh, uh, a lot of, Times we don't even think about how we may engage in like sexual behaviors. Um, uh, before I get into that, he said something else that stood out. He said he has a love addiction, right? That's what Nick Cannon said about himself. So him him creating more children is giving him the love that he thinks he needs. So which to me is another uh, very unhealthy um, uh, thought process. Well, hold on, right? let's, let's he, break that down because a love addiction. He didn't say because he loved these women. He could uh, love him love of himself. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that what he said. So love addiction, I, I tell people, love addiction is just you. You want this, 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 this elated feeling because it's all love. Love is a feeling. You look. It's almost like a high that you get from it. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, individual love addictions does not mean because I love you, I'm going to be able to sustain a healthy, functional relationship with you mm-hmm. uh, or with anyone per se, right? Right. Um, but you are giving me that that dopamine hit that I need currently. You know, when you when you are embracing me and I feel loved by you and I feel cherished by you, now you're giving me what I need. Uh, and now it's almost like chasing the dragon because you're always trying to find that high again, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, so, and that's what he said. He has an, an, a love addiction well, around uh, why he just, I got a lot of love to give and I got to, you know, spread it out. And to me, that's very, it could be very unhealthy. Right. Right. Um, now, I can't knock his lifestyle, especially if he's communicating with all these women and and everybody's on the, in the greens. You're, you're sitting adults. You're sitting adults. Uh, and now what the children may may or may not experience or may or may not lack because they all spread out. We can't really speak on that either. Uh, but what we can start utilizing as an example of is if we find ourselves going through moments of where we're hurting and we're utilizing uh, uh, any type of escapism, per se. You know, yeah, and I, I want to say coping mechanism. I, I'm saying escape because the coping mechanism, if you got the proper ones, it could be it could be healthy. Uh, to me, this is an escape. Is like I don't want to deal with my feelings, so I'm going to escape through having sex. I don't want to deal with my feelings. I'm going to escape through uh, numbing my feelings through alcohol and, and and drugs and all these things. Right? I, I don't want to feel it. I'm not even trying to cope. I just want to escape it. Right. Mm, right. Mm, so that's yeah. why I, I kind of find like an escapism over coping because coping we learn to. Deal with actually, we address the feelings that we have, mm-hmm. right? We, we address them, we, we feel them, and then we find healthy ways to work through that. Mm. Now, healthy can be relative, right. right? That's what we as society like. There's nothing anymore that is really a standard anymore. Like, some people are like, Oh, well, what are you doing is healthy, like it's and it's so interesting because there is no longer a standard what could what truly is healthy. But we can understand going out having uh loads of unprotected sex is unhealthy. Right. Or creating uh, multiple kids that you may or may not have uh, adequate relationship with as they grow and get older. Right. Could be how it could be potentially unhealthy. Right. Like if he had say if we say Nick Canning was right now utilizing opioids at opioids at opioids, we're like, oh, that's unhealthy. Right. That's very black and white. Mm-hmm. So it's literally utilizing unhealthy uh, uh, escapisms um, to not address the true uh, feelings or thoughts or concerns that you're actually having internally. Right. Because yes. coping is to me, coping that mechanism, if you utilize appropriate coping mechanisms, you're going to actually still have to deal with those feelings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, what? I think that what it what it what it boils down to, like even when I'm talking to people. Right. I think so. People are where they are in life. And this yeah. is nothing. We are all at different levels, stages and phases in life. But for me, I, I am for those who are ready to to live what they consider a healthy lifestyle mentally to be in a healthy relationship. So the, that, that, that's who, that's my tribe. Right. So right. people come to me who are ready to lay down toxic patterns, who mm-hmm. are ready for a goddess and a queen women who are ready for a man that's operating on his highest frequency. So those who are not like, uh, and, and I, I'm, and we're just, I'm just saying Diddy, for example, I'm not saying that he's not, right. but for, for example, if, he, if, if, if that's where he is in life, then he's probably not going to, I'm not going to say that if that's where <laughs> he is in life, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. right. Because that's his right. choice. Right. But right. a woman 
if a woman comes to me for relationship coaching mm-hmm. and she had, she's like, Jael, this is the type of man I desire. Diddy is not, that's not, that's, that's not the person that she should talk to because mm-hmm. they desired it. That's all. Right. A future so, in a Russell. Some women, right. if, if, if all you want is somebody to buy you a Birkin bag, if and all you fun, want and is fund somebody, your lifestyle. Right. It, it, that's, it, that's nothing wrong with that because that's where you are. But I'm for those who are like, you know what? For me, I want what I consider something healthy, something I can rely on. I want a love that's not going to go from person to person to person. I want a love that is patient, that is kind, that is long suffering. That You know what I mean? So it just depends on where you are in life. None of us are judging what anybody's doing for y'all that are listening. But we are just offering. If you are at a certain place in your life, then we are offering what we have to offer you to get there. Right. You know, intentionality is very important. Right. Um, And a lot of times, you know, when people are able to clearly articulate or design the life that they want, you know, when I'm working with couples, whether they're traditional or non-traditional couples, um, you know, it's them being intentional about it, though. So a lot of times, especially working with non-traditional uh, couple styles, such as, you know, those who are uh, polyamorous, open relationships, yeah, yeah. whatever it may be, it's, you know, it was intentional for them, right? Um, it was something that they actually actively decided upon. They actually came up with ground rules on, all these things. The same thing with traditional couples. Um, but I'm with you, right? When you're at a certain place and you know what you want, like uh, a design of the life that you want, you know, you have to understand how 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 is this going to come about? How are you communicating this to people? So that's why I say with Nick Cannon, what he's doing, if you know, if he say he's communicating with all these women, they all on the same page. I cannot knock that. But you know what I can say, just from uh, 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 a very uh, uh, Monday morning quarterback viewpoint of just looking out, <laughs> looking into his world, is I, I you know I, I can tell just from a mental health standpoint, like there's still certain things he's not addressing. And yeah. he said he's working with his therapist on that. So I don't know if he's he, he's making these decisions from a, a, a state of not being in duress, right? You know, that's what they say. If someone signs a contract under, under stress or duress, and that contract is no longer uh, uh, valid. You know, am I right on that tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? So, we, so, yeah, yeah. so even if you're doing like something like an emotional contract, well, I think what Nick Cannon's going through, like he said, he went, he got back into his lifestyle after the death of his child. So now you're making these type of decisions under stressful thought processes and now you're making life-changing altering decisions that 10, 5, 10 years down the road from now you might feel bad about because like, I wasn't in the right state of mind uh, per se. Uh, so, but I'm with you, Jaya. At the end of the day, I just tell my clients, we gotta, let's really break this down. What are we attending? What, what are we attempting to do here? What do you want? Let's design yeah. your life, right? Yeah. And uh, let's design your life on paper so we can really talk this out. So when we talk this out on paper, how are you actually putting this to implementation in the real world? So and, and when people clearly articulate that, what you say now? No, so I want I want to um you know let's just bring the conversation to another level here. Okay. Let's talk about like black culture, right? But yeah. in the sense of um hip hop. Now mm. I, I'm you know uh, Jail, you don't you don't know this because we we just met, <laughs> but um, if you follow me on social media and Pernell knows and he follows, me, I'm a child of hip hop and I love hip hop. It's infused in my soul and my being. I love everything about love it. it. Right. Yeah. And it's how I see the world, how I see society. It's just, it's everything. Even in this program, obviously, I start off just every, with hip hop. It's embedded within this show. But deconstructing that a little bit, um, I'm not saying that hip hop is 
the is the issue or the is the main source of the problems. But is can we make an argument that hip hop has had a pejorative effect, negative effect on um, black men's growth, help emotional growth? Like when you talk about how um, it's been uh, artists or artistry promoting um, colorism or violence and education, financial literacy, um, you know, being uh, promiscuous, openly promiscuous, you know, all these things that are promoted within hip hop culture that, you know, I openly, I, I still listen to and I, I vibe up to, right. but there are people where music, you know, music grafts onto the soul. And for some, yes. they take it as a, um, parameter of how they should see the world based on what an, a particular artist vis-a-vis a future, um, how he views the world is how I should view the world, you know? And so yeah. is there, can we make a, a statement? Of course we know this is, you know, a lot of this is not, does it start with stem from hip hop, which has only been in birth for like 40 years, well, but, but, but can we also make you know, criticism, high, offer criticism to how hip hop has propagated, you know, this, um, this, this, Poor, uh, I guess, understanding of emotions and just how men and I guess I hate I need to hate the term toxicity and all that or whatever. Like, can we make an argument against that as well? Mm. You know, I, I can't say we can, man. Okay, I, I really can't. I, I can't say it's hip hop. I can say that it's the individual that's controlling what's being put out, right? You know, because there's a lot of hip hop songs, like a lot, a lot of songs that's uh, that would be that promotes us, but it's not as popular. Right. It, it won't sell as well. Right. Um, so can I can I say it's the hip hop? No, I can say that it's the artists that understand I got to put this out in order for this uh, this system, per se, to put out my music. Yeah, because this is what they want. I agree. Um, yeah. So it's us. Uh, it's, it's it's the it's the system, bro. You know, but and also what we bop into, you know, sometimes. I tell people, man, like in my car, I don't really listen too much rap in the car with my kids. Now my daughter, she's old enough now to understand different. Like when she was a little, little, little one, yeah. you know, I, I put on different. It's put on different type of genre of music yeah. just because I wanted her to be exposed to different things. Because right. at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're in the black culture. She's gonna hear that regardless right. wherever right. she goes, you know. But now, you know, my daughter, she's she's ten, and you know, I can I listen to my music now when she's in the car because it's, it's, she 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 knows the difference. At this time, we able to have a conversation and articulate around these things about you know what's real, what's not real. Right. Um, so it is really the responsibility of us. Right. Again, let's get back to the, the parenting, right? You know, like for me having that conversation with my child regarding, hey, let, uh, when you hear this song, what comes to your mind? What, what's thought about it, right? Because I don't want her to have her own perception on it and think this is real life, right? Right. right. This is this is the, this is not real. This is entertainment, right? Yeah, uh, this is entertainment. So it's on us as parents. I think, you know, you said it's only 40 years old. So we're actually the first generation of parents can actually have conversations around this. Right. And actually, uh, uh, and actually, you know, enlighten, enlighten our, 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 our descendants on, okay, man, what it is that you're taking from this music. Right. And I think now we have more control to understand that, man, it's not really the artist a lot of times. It's what they're allowing to get put out there. But right. can, we, can we admit no, that the, the stuff that's been promoted has done more harm than good, though? I think so. I, I, I think it's the. I think I, I definitely. Again, y'all know I always be like it's an agenda, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely. I, so here's the thing. I think all of us will would be lying if we said we were not influenced by culture. Right. Yeah. Whether it's a TV show that we love, 
whether it's an actor, if I'm an actress. So there are certain artists that actors that I move by that I look up to, right? When I study them, I study their movements. I study their nuances, right? So subconsciously, I, yeah, it, it's affecting me. Yeah. Um, so even with music, yes, it is absolutely the responsibility of the parents. I tell my daughter all the time, because I meet all these artists and I've met and dated rappers and all these different types of people, right? So I understand the difference between a persona and who somebody is in real life. So yeah. I'm able to educate my daughter about that, but every parent is not because they don't know because the parents think it's real, right? Right, right. So I, would, I remember y'all, I was at my girlfriend's house. She has her little, her son is like 10. So I saw him watching some video. I can't remember the video, but it was some some rap song and the girls, you know, were half naked. And I remember I looked at him dead in his soul and I said, I said, that's entertainment. I said, a man should never. You know, I just explained to him, like, we don't call women bitches. I said, women should not be responding to that in that way. I mean, when you're an adult, that's fine. But he's 10. Right. So I'm he's not 21 where he can make his own choice. So I'm just telling him. So I explained to him, like, that's entertainment. That's not real. Those cars are rented. That guy really does not have that money. And he looked at me and he said, it's not real. Wow. I mm-hmm. said, it's not real, baby. Right? right. So so that was a teaching moment from a goddess to him. But, you know, He's you know, Jael, mm-hmm, man, listen, I'm, I'm glad you talk, talk, uh, you, you, you're talking to that man, young man in that very moment. Because I have grown men right now who are upset because they just find out that future don't utilize any of the drugs and things he rap about in his music. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So they're mad. It's mad. Right. Oh, Jesus. So you, you got Dirty Sprite, Dirty Sprite too. All these things. All this. He telling people to be on all these drugs. Percocet, you know, he yeah. Like, Molly Percocet, yeah. Yeah, I don't use none of those drugs. Yeah. How can no. I How can I put out the product and production? Is that, it, it, at one point, he was putting out two albums a year. How can I continue to do that with that type of consistency if I'm always inebriated? Under the influence, right. right? But people don't think about that. But on the on the flip side of that, right? So, um, one of my favorite one of my favorite artists. I'm gonna drop one of his his bars. He said, "I missed the I missed the part where to stop being my imus. What do my lyrics have to do with this shit? Scarface the rapper did more than Scarface the movie rap. Scarface the movie did more than Scarface the rapper to me. That ain't to blame for all this shit that's happened to me. Are you saying when I'm spitting, it's worse than these celebrities showing they kitten and kitten to stop the bullshitting till we all without sinless quit the pulpitting." You know, so like pretty much that's Jay in in ignorant shit on that American mm-hmm. Gangsta uh, soundtrack. Pretty much saying that, you know, yes, lyrics. I understand lyrics are impactful, but let's not act like American culture in itself right. is more impactful in how you know society, especially Black men, see yes. themselves. You know what I mean? Like it's really let you know putting solely the blame on on rap culture is not fair. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, right? Because I wanted to have a holistic thought process. You know, there's a lot more encompassing that. There's a bigger world that, you know, to your point, Jael, um, is pushing narratives and ideals, you know, that, you know, for all intents and purposes, aligns with how, you know, with how black men want to uh, perceive society. Yes. You know, you know so um, when I, uh, as a child of hip hop, I grew up on hip hop. Um, we had so much variance in how we, on hip hop from De La Soul to NWA. And now it seems like it's a very singular perspective in hip hop that's only being promoted, which is really, I think, coming at the detriment of, um, uh, of the black community. Um, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, um, keeping it on, on the hip hop scale to that point though, 
I do think pop culture is now slowly starting to, especially within black community, starting to address um, the ideals of deconstructing black male um, emotion availability. Like, you know, Jay-Z, I mentioned him, but on his last album, 444, he talks about admitting wanting to go to therapy, right? He yeah. talks about admitting um, being emotionally unavailable. Um, this last Kendrick album is about pretty much it's a therapy. Ooh, but listen, yes, man, it's listen. nothing but a therapy. Yeah, album. No, that last album. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's just him ex- and, and express and to the point where he even has a song called Father Figure. You know what I mean? Where yeah. he talks about yeah. you yeah. know the the um, how his father rearing him has actually caused him to be emotionally unavailable. And so, like, um, I see now, you know, pop culture even on Insecure. They talked about one of the main characters, Nathan, and they addressed him, you know, having mental. Um, they sure did. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so I, do you guys see that, too, now? There's a slow a shift to kind of deconstructing the ideals of black male persona and, For and sure. mental awareness. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, we see the increase in awareness about the importance of really addressing your, your mental health, your social, emotional, psychological well-being. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, it's, it's creeping in TV shows. It's creeping in, in, in daily conversation. It's creeping up in our music, which is great, right? right. Um, but then then on the opposite side, um, every time something tragic happened, I, and this is, this is something that a few of my colleagues were just talking about, you know, every time something, something tragic happens, you know, um, say even what just took place, uh, of in, in, in the in the shooting for the young man, I went to the supermarket, mm. and everyone went straight to oh he had mental health issues. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um. So now now all we we're having more the conversations improving, but then now we're getting back to the stigmatizing of well I ain't that I ain't like that, so I don't need to go see no mental health there. I'm not at right. that level. Right. And I tell people all the time, and there's a difference between mental illness and mental distress. Yeah. Right. 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 So mental illness to me is very far few in between. That's when you really have a chemical imbalance uh, uh, within your within your psyche, within your mind that may have, you know, give you an onset of some certain mental health diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Mental distress. We all go through it. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, we all uh, have PTSD in some, <laughs> in some, in some shape or fashion. You know, and I'm glad you mentioned that, Jaya, because, you know, uh, June is actually PT, PT, PTSD awareness month. Oh, right. perfect. Yeah, okay. June, yeah, the month of June is actually PT, PTSD Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I always tell people when it comes to that, post-traumatic stress is just that. Mm-hmm. Post-traumatic stress. Yeah. I, that's why I always say the acronym no more because it gets so thrown around. I have to say it out loud so people understand, listen, you probably have a traumatic, stressful event in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and what you may have consi- cons- uh, considered traumatic, I may not have considered traumatic, exactly. but that does not, does not devalue what you have experienced. Yeah. Right. So these type of conversation, man, like you said, they are happening more, uh, uh, I guess they happen more often. They're coming about in a pop culture, which is great. Uh, but now I hope that we move past the, uh, the the coolness to talk about mental health to actually seeking mental health services. Right. For sure. Yeah. Right. For sure. And you know what? Men are because def- I'm in Atlanta. I don't, I, I'm in Atlanta. I, um, so. And even in just my little percentage of the world, my little space in this world, I definitely have seen the shift in men, right? Like men are showing up, like men are coming to my events. Men are getting life mm-hmm. coaching for me. And, and, and here's the thing for years, y'all, because I've been really focused on the women. Men have been DMing me for years saying, Jael, please don't forget about us. We hurt too. Mm-hmm. Like I've had so many, you know, Jael, please don't forget about us. Like I, I'm going through a divorce, Jael. Like I need, you know what I mean? So men have men have been seeking it and they're hungry and thirsty for it. Because every time I tell a man what I'm doing, 
they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like you're providing, you know, they're like so excited about it and they're so grateful. They're like, they just show me, they're like, I'm so grateful for you. So men, men want it. So I, I'm just, I'm just glad that we're doing things like this to normalize yeah. men get, you know, seeking therapy, going to a life coach, getting a, a relationship coach, coming to safe spaces, you know, to talk and to heal and to feel seen and heard. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we just did something about this past month, man. We had um, um, in, in collaboration with an organization down here called Route 7. You know, we did a, a, a men's conversation around mental health, man. We had about 40 men in that room. And, you know, it was just an opportunity for men to be vulnerable and and, and, and talk about mental health and, and talk about uh, lived experiences that many of us are going through. Then you hear other men like, hey, you going through that too? Yeah. Right. Cause a lot of times we feel like we on the island by ourselves. Nobody else yeah. is going through it because we don't really, we don't just openly talk about these things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so these things are very important. And for myself, you know, I host a, a virtual support group for men called Rally Point. You know, because we all are on our own personal mission, but sometimes our mission break down. We need to rally rally together. Right. You know. Um, yeah. So these type of things are very uh, uh, important for us to continue to uh, address and uh, uh, promote. And as you said, there has been an uptick in men coming to get mental health services. And I, I can really say that I've seen it in my office as well. Um, I can tell you when I was coming out of school, the narrative was black people don't go to therapy. Yeah. The narrative was, you know, men don't go to therapy. So I'm opening up my private practice. I'm like, man, I ain't forget no business. Right. As soon as I opened my practice, I had an influx of clients. Yeah. Oh, that's such a blessing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh. A lot of these individuals, they were looking for someone that they can connect with, relate to. And especially a black man. Let me tell right. you something. People are seeking black black therapists in general, but black men. Yeah. I, yes. I, I go, I, I, you know, I'm open about that. I have, uh, go to a therapist. So I, I am full, um, fully supportive of black men seeking therapy. Um, because I think yeah. it helps you express your feelings and get out the raw statements that, you know, maybe you don't need to process internally. You know, you need to process to somebody who's a professional to tell you how you should be able, is it, are you feeling is, it may not even right or wrong, but like just tell you, help you. Um, you know, curate the way you're feeling and give you some direction yes. on. Yes. You know, perspective. And perspective. And, and, and it really yeah. comes down to perspective. Like just, just saying the right thing or listening or even listening to yourself out loud, talk to someone, mm-hmm. you hear yourself and you're like, Oh wait, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. yeah. You'd be like, I was yeah, like, I, man, I yeah. tell, like I tell my clients, there's 168 hours in a week. Mm-hmm. It's 168 hours in a week. You give yourself that one hour to come in and sit with a therapist to process and, and yes. really pay attention to you. Because out of those other 167, you probably, you're working, you're caring for your family, you're doing everything else. And there are a lot of things that you may be t- thinking about internally. You can't say yeah. say it out loud or express it because it may not be appropriate. Right. Right. Exactly. But you come to this space and this really is about you. Right. That 160, that one hour out of 168 hours is something like uh, how I kind of uh, uh, tell most people, like, you put your phone to charge every night. Right. Before, because the yeah. next day you want to be full of charge to be able to, right. to go out into the world and operate. And it's full functionality. That's how that one hour of a week is when you come to your therapist. Right. So could be. I want what I want to do is um I want to this last segment I want to talk about the uh, I brought it up in the opening of um an invisibility uh, syndrome where I talked about how black men um society makes them feel invisible and I you know taking it deeper into well you know talking about how fear and distrust and and and, and how you know they are um caricatures of uh, you know, fear of a black male, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so the invisibility syndrome is like you can't really pierce that veil of who they are and humanizes them. We talked about how we don't humanize our parents. We don't humanize these celebrities, you know, and, and, so, right. and you know, humanizing black men. Um, but I'm going to, you know, go in a little deeper on this and tell me if I'm right or wrong. I actually think the negative uh, aspect of men's physicality hurts black men's physicality hurts our emotional availability because we're always deemed to be so we need to be strong. Hell, we need to be sexually. Our sexual prowess is more talked about than our emotional prowess, you know? And so like, um, I was, it's it's related, interrelated, but not really. I was, I was watching a program called Curb Your Enthusiasm and there's um, a guy named Leon and he lives in David, um, uh, lives in uh, the house um, of, um, uh, of the main character and so he was talking about it was just a funny throwaway joke and he was talking about how like they have a big penis society you know and he does he's very he's very uh um casual about yeah you know the only men with like big penises can be part of this society you know and so you know and then uh the, the other men sitting around the table these are white jewish men they're like oh can we pe- be part of a big penis uh society and you know Leon's like, well, no, you can't because you know you're not you're not part of that. And so, um, you know, Larry David, you know, goes on to say, you know, well, you know, he him and his I guess his quote unquote business manager were both admitted like, oh, I don't have big penis, I don't care. But the fact the thing was, and it, it was like there was like laughing like how they didn't care that they didn't have a big penis. But the 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 I the funny thing about it is Leon is living in his house, and Leon is very much, you know. Yeah, he may have this physical "quote unquote" prowess over Larry yeah. David, but both Larry David and his friend do not care about that because they have what Leon doesn't have is power and prestige. And mm-hmm. so, like, it's interesting how society and how black men and black women lean into like, oh, you know, I need a man with you know X this type of size penis, and I need it, and, and he needs to be this type, he needs to be this virile, and it, they don't really understand it actually plays into a racial stereotype that actually does not help black men in um, in expressing it, because it leans more into the their basis of their availability or their um, of their importance is their sexual prowess. Am I making any sense here? Made a lot of sense there. Go on, Jaya. I was just going to say, even I was watching a movie and um, in the movie, the it was a the one the black one of the black actresses was dating a white man, right? Mm-hmm. And and her girlfriend, her black girlfriend, was like, "So how come you're not committed to him?" She was like, "You scared to give up the big black dick? Oh, the big black dick, right?" Mm-hmm. So even in our own movies that we you know we 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 portray that, but right. here's the thing: I'm a woman. I've experienced penises. Mm-hmm. Um. It, every woman does not, and of course that's what they're promoting in society, but every woman doesn't care about a man having a big old dick. First of all, I, you know, y'all, y'all don't have a vagina. Don't, most women don't want no big old dick. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. And I know that's not the popular, right, right. Um, what we hear, but it's true. I, you know, I'm, nope. I'm, and it's nothing wrong with men who have very big, big dick. Cause there's nothing you can do about your dick being extremely big. Right. But the thing is, women, there are women who adore small penises. They prefer them. Right. There are women who just I just want to advertise penis. So it's all penises matter. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all a- penises matter. OK, hey, look, 
I'm, I'm laughing because in my head when you were saying, I said she about to say all penis. I didn't even you say said. that. You, I didn't, oh. ca- I didn't even catch. I didn't know where it was going, but that's funny. But go ahead. <laughs> in my song, man, I knew you were about to say that though. But you know what, man? Um, it's true. Girl, I, I, I hear you on that. I hear you, but I think this is another pushback, man. I, I, okay. I, 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 come, come on, let me get with you on this first. Okay. I, I, I believe it does does a, it does uh, hurt our, our our community more so than it helps, right? Right. Because now I saw a lot of our young men. You know, when they come up, it's all about physicality, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, that was the same. That was me as well. That was me. Like, uh, you know, I, I was a football player. You know, I right. had to make sure. You know, I want to be strong. I was big and buff, and you know, so when women looked at me, it's like, oh my god, oh, whoa, whoa. so it, that made me feel good, right? But I didn't care about the other attributes, right? Right. I didn't care about 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 the intellectual attributes. I didn't care about the emotional attributes. I didn't care about none of that, right? Child, I know I look good. I know I, I know I know I do what to do with you if right. necessary. Right, right, but um, gotcha. how that limits us once again, putting us in in a rigid space. Yeah. Well, because here's right. the thing. Here's here's the thing, though, Pernell. Like when you talk to even in songs or like that, it's like a woman's like, you know, did he put it down? You know what I mean? And, and right. And, and, and you know, and it is like you know, it it's, it still focuses on the black male physicality, yeah. and like it really. In a way, that's how, and then that's how again we talk about the ditties, or we talk about you know they can't even they can't even talk about his you know his penis size and like how he you know it, so yeah. what it is is like oh for men and it's again emotional availability in relationships as long as I can put it down in a relationship that's how I know I'm in a good relationship and then some women's yeah. like oh that's the that's what a great relationship is is based on you know how well he puts it down and like yeah. that's actually having been in a marriage. You know, there's a part in that, but yeah. a, that's probably that's like ninety percent of the marriage is not about like the bedroom. It's about everything it that happens. But, but you know, and this is so that I, work with, uh, I work I work with uh, couples on that's dating, right? Mm-hmm. That's just not dating. They just not starting to get because you know, especially after some couples they start to cohabitate, and then they're like, it's not like it used to be, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, yes. well. You know, when we were dating, living in separate houses, oftentimes when we meeting up to go on dates, we kind of know there's a, a end goal at the end of this night here, right? right. But then we move in and we now have a, a natural routine and we haven't had conversation about sexual frequency, how much you want it, how much I desire. Because in the day, now, now we move, we live together, it's a whole different ball game. Right. Right, because when we date and live in separate houses, like, Sean, when I come see you, you know I'm going to take out the dinner, but you know I'm trying to take you back to the house. What's up? Right. We know that's 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 the goal sometimes when we're actually dating living in separate houses, but we don't talk about the how to make relationships last the marathon, right? Right. right. I think a lot of a lot of this is more sprint, but it's the marathon that you're talking about. I'm hearing come on, like that's not 90% of our marriages isn't like that. It isn't a whirlwind sex in the city episode. Right. Right. <laughs> there's not there's not a you know the bedroom makes a, a small portion of what makes a marriage work. It's a, it's a bit yeah. important part. Portion. It's a it's pivotal. Yeah, it's pivotal. It's, it's, it's not a pivotal. It's a, it's a pillar, Absolutely. but it's not. It's not the pillar, right? It's be yeah. it's other things like, you know, does a part does your partner understand? Does your partner listen to you? Does your partner support you? You know, do you yeah. support? Do you support your partner? Like all these things, you know, make up financials. Like you know, financial yeah. is one of the big. It's probably the the, the number per, one. Number one. It's the one thing. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. man. So, majority of relationships ends because of first number one yeah. finances. Yeah. No one finances. Then 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 two. Is is sexual uh, incompatibility, right? <laughs> right, you know, and so like, but I think a lot of times, you know, again, society and black men and black women, we align ourselves into thinking like, oh, 
you know, if someone so can just fit a physical profile and the physicality being a certain, you know, can he, and even in the bedroom, there that's a good mate. And it's like we have to kind of break away from things like that as well because it's not helping black men figure, uh, figure out that there, there are spectrums to being in a great relationship that far exceed how well you put it down in the bedroom. Yeah. But we have to learn how to date and be in relationships. We have to start having these conversations, man, mm-hmm. uh, outside of the physicality. And, you know, once again, you're right. The songs, pop culture will make it seem like, hey, man, if you ain't, if you ain't really got a, a big ego, cuz, yeah. you, you ain't you ain't doing nothing out here, man. Right. You know, um, and, you know, you got a lot of, I have a lot of men that have, I have worked with, that have come in my office with, with anxiety around, you know, being able to sexually please the woman that they're with. Right. Yeah. Right, they, they, like a lot of times we don't talk. Men don't talk about that openly. You don't hear men talk about that over security yeah. partner. Like, hey, bro, ain't for the applause, dog. You know, I, I, I was kind of concerned about. It. You know, majority of men when you hear them talk about their sexual prowess, they, it's they, about, yeah. bro, how, how good they, yeah. how good they beating it down. Right, right, <laughs> right. I have yet to um, see. Have yet all my male groups. I have yet to hear in any of our conversations. And man, I'm t- I'm kind of terrible at this. I have, yet, yeah. I have yet to hear that conversation. <laughs> I have, and you would never probably and hear. You would never probably never hear it because nobody's gonna admit that. I have yet to hear, man. Like you know what, man? I am just absolutely. I listen. I'm not very good at it. I don't have you know. I don't have the size for you that you know my mate wants. And you know, it's you. You don't. You'll never hear that. And it's it's fascinating to me because again, every male group. I mean, black male group, and then it's like, yeah, man, I'm I'm killing that shit. You know, and yeah. so like, yeah. I just think it's a fascinating dynamic within embedded within the black male culture that, um, again, it speaks to lack of emotional availability because. But, but, but I mean, if we're speaking, if we're speaking also from uh, uh, just personal experience. I mean, not personal, but like um, um, subject to subject's experience, they may be killing it no matter what they have, right? <laughs> right? They and you know, in that experience with they, with that woman, you know, they may be killing it. You know, so it's like maybe it, and then, so then y'all know what. Women don't say, here's, this is, I mean, this, y'all, this, we, this is a whole, like, other topic for us to really <laughs> <with you>. One <laughs> day, you know, seriously about yeah. sex, right? Because we're not, we just start effing. We, we're not taught about sex. No, we're at all. About, we're not taught at about all. how we can use sex to manifest the life we desire. We're not, we don't talk about how when you put your penis in my vagina, how you can write and manifest. Like, we don't talk about any of that, right? So... Here's the thing. And then we don't we don't talk. Women are definitely not taught like we're taught to, you know, women fake orgasms. Yeah. yeah. Women, not all women, not all women, but there are women who fake orgasms. There are women who've never had an orgasm. There are women who will never say to the man, I'm not pleased. So he thinks he really does think he's putting it down. Right. So right. because right. conversations, Therefore. right? And we need and it's we need to have these conversations because I I have so many married friends who are like, their their sex life is suffering, right? But if their really, sex really life really is suffering and they're operating in shame and pride, it can never be fixed because if it's a man, you don't say, well, you know, my wife does not want to have sex with me and I don't know why. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's like these conversations need to be had. It's okay. Like, it's okay that if you are not, you know, Tarzan in bed right now, because that can be taught. I promise you it can. But it can be if you don't talk about it. Right. Because, you know what I mean? So that's, that's I, no. you know. And, and, and look, hey, hey Jaya, that's, that's uh-huh. a whole other conversation. I'm with you, man. Yeah, you know, no, you know what? I actually, you know, we'll, I'll probably keep that for another pod, actually. Because that is really yeah. sexual. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a great pod. So what, here's that's what we're, 
what, what I want to do, I want you, you know, every program I like to give my guests, um, you know, uh, their moment to kind of talk about, you know, how they want to end it or what, you know, they want to focus in on. So um, I'm going to start off with you, Pernell. Um, like, you know, what are you, the last message you want to provide regarding this subject? You know, regarding the subject around just men, mental health in general, man, first and foremost, men, it's okay to ask for help. You know, I, and um, I know it sounds very cliche, but I think we can't say that enough. Because a lot of times for us as men, we weren't conditioned to ask for help. You know, um, oftentimes we have we have this very stoic thought process that I got to figure it out on my own. I got to do this on my own. But no, it's okay to ask for help. Uh, Secondly, man, you got to think about this. It's okay to talk about your emotions, even when they're not the best ones. Right. Uh, And now, once again, I'm thinking about birth to uh, 18 years old. You know, birth 18, I can tell anybody. When I was sitting with my homeboys from town, when when I was a teenager, there was never a time I told my homeboy, hey, bro, I'm feeling sad today. Right. Right. There was never a time that we had that type of conversation. Right. So it may be a lot more difficult for us as adults, as, as adult men, to actually start to have those conversations, even recognize when in those state of mind to have me to have that conversation, but it's okay. You know, it is okay. Right. You know, and lastly, man, like I said, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to really talk about your true feelings. And lastly, man, we're not alone out here. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Although many of us may not talk about our struggles, we may not talk about the things that we may be experiencing uh, in life that may be putting us in an unfavorable state of mind. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, many of us have been through that. Many of many of us are going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay, once again, to reach out. And you're not, you're not on the island by yourself. Mm-hmm. As many of us out here and have boats, lifeboats for you to get on, and we'll be more than happy to help you through this journey. Mm-hmm. So, no, that's my biggest thing right there. Come on, man. All right, dope. And how, do, how can people get in touch with you or, you know, whatnot? Definitely, man. Uh, so, definitely, you can find me on IG as the juggernaut underscore therapist. That's the juggernaut underscore therapist. And then on LinkedIn and Facebook, you can find me as Pernell Bush. Um, also, you know, once again, um, our organization, No Limit Health and Education, you can find out more about us at nolimitempowerment.org. We are a organization who provide full services when it comes to individual, family, and group counseling. Uh, also, we have uh, different programming in the community that we run. Uh, one of our programs that we run in the Central Florida area uh, is uh, the Barber, Barber Mental Health Advocate, where we go out and train barbers to be mental health advocates and, and certify them to be mental health advocates. Um, and then also, we have a program that we utilize for youth called Blue detox where we utilize uh hip-hop and poetry to help uh young people express their emotions and feelings and thoughts and then also we have our thriving moms club which is a virtual support group for moms and mothers um so those are just few our programs off the top of my head but once again you can find out more about us at nolimitempowerment.org okay dope dope beautiful jael go ahead and lace this with the message Yes, indeed. Beautiful Kings. So first of all, thank you again for having me. I really appreciate you. Thank you for providing this space. And I just, I I think for me, I just want to say, you know, of course, we're talking about men and mental health that you all are worth being whole and healthy and being everything that you were created to be like, you're worth it. You were created for a reason and a purpose and you are deeply loved no matter what society tries to show about you. You have to know within that you are royalty because you act according to what you believe you are and who you believe you are. Mm. You make choices based on who you believe you are. So we are just providing spaces for you to remember that you are extraordinary. Right. Like you have to know that 
you're, you're royalty. You are. You just are. We were created that way. So I just want you all to know, too, that, you know, there are spaces for you to talk and to heal and to be loved on in a healthy way. And I would love to meet any of you that live in Atlanta at my next Reclaiming Your Kingdom event, which will be the 26th of this month. All you have to do is go to my Instagram page, Jael the Great, and register by clicking the link in my bio. It's free. We just take donations because we donate books to young teens. But come on out. You're not alone. Just like Pernell said, you are not alone. There are other men who are going through the same thing you are going through and other things. Definitely, we heal in community. What happened? Oh, okay. So I was just saying, you can contact me on uh, Instagram, Jael the Great. I would love to meet you all. And, um, yeah, you guys are loved and appreciated, so please know that. And yo, and check out Giles. It's her face. I mean, excuse me, her uh, Instagram is is live. Yo, it's it's great. So I mean, I've just been thank you. I've been a, a, a stalking obsessive over, ever since we connected on Instagram this week. I'm like, oh man, like it was like yo, you, you, your stuff definitely goes up. I love the content on there, man. So it's it's dope. Thank you. Yeah. So I like to end the program on a love letter, a letter to Black culture. So. Uh, Dear Black Culture, today we tackled the very important but seldom discussed topic of black men's health. I want to discuss it namely because Father's Day is coming up and oftentimes the role of the black male fatherhood is seldom tied to black male mental health challenges. Whether those challenges are based on rearing responsibilities or expectations, this all ties into how black men operate in society. A father can both build you up or destroy you. So it's imperative that when we're talking about the strength of black family and foundational integrity of that unit, we must address how this unit is affected by poor emotional habits displayed by those black men. Despite the constant barrage of social media disparaging black men and telling them how much they are trash, I honestly don't (laughs) think that it helps the conversations or pushes it forward by harping on the negatives without providing thoughtful discussion on how we can all be better. Now, that obviously starts with black men being honest to themselves and regarding their actions. And just like black women are the heart and spirit and the mind of black culture, black men represent the body in which it's carried. Both are important and both are needed for survival. Ultimately, our goal is to live in a harmonious abundance of happiness. And it's in pursuit of those such things that we must not forego the internal questions that help navigate ourselves. So with that being said, we're going to write out with a perfect song with somebody who's actually dealt with mental health challenges, but I think it aligns with what we're all trying to go um, head towards. So until next time, peace and love. And so we gonna ride out. Crush a bit, little bit, roll it up, take a hit, feeling lit, feeling like 2 a.m. summer night. I don't care, hand on the wheel, driving drunk, I'm doing my thing. Beside him now, living my life, getting out dreams. People told me slow my road. I'm screaming out, fuck that. I'ma do just what I want. Looking ahead, no turning back. If I fall, if I die, know I lived it to the fullest. If I fall, if I die, know I lived and miss some bullets. I'm on the pursuit of happiness, and I know.